guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, stay away from the TV. You may want to rethink what you're watching, because who knows, you may be being brainwashed into assassinating your coworkers. So, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh, and let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Cult Film and Review. We really appreciate it. I do want to say thank you uh, for following us on social media. You can do that uh, on all of our social media accounts. Uh, we'll get into that later on. But we, uh, but mostly what I'm thankful for is when you go and fill out a review on iTunes and you rate us five stars. So much so that I'll give you a shout out at the end of the show. This week, though, I d- listen, here. here's the thing, guys. I don't want to say I'm mad. Because I'm not mad. You look mad right now. No, I'm not. I'm disappointed. Oh, that's even yeah. worse than mad. I'm All disappointed. Right. It's even worse. Because we have zero reviews left. I can uh, give out zero shout outs. So I am disappointed. Please go and fill those out for us. You can save a hungry Chris. A <laughs> <laughs> hungry Chris. <laughs> for just one review a day. Just think about that, guys. Uh, all right, so tonight's pick is Videodrome. <laughs> it was directed by David Cronenberg, came out in 1983, had a budget of $5.9 million, made about $2 million in the box office, was filmed in Canada, has a rating of R, and currently sits at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you don't know what it's about, a sleazy cable TV programmer begins to see his life and future of media spin out of control in a very unusual fashion when he acquires a new kind of programming for a station. Ooh. As always, I am joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Willenbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salustio. Hello, everyone. Whose pick was this, Chris? Yep, this was my pick. Chris, why'd you pick Videodrome? Well, um, I was ready to get into some David Cronenberg films. I mean, why not? I mean, we're what, 104 in, 105 in now? Who doesn't want to get into some we, Cronenberg? We oh, wait. Tu- we this is your two-year episode. This, this is yeah, your two-year Thanks, God. We're just partying Thanks every for joining. Week. Thanks for joining the club. <laughs> finally, yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to bring David Cronenberg into the mix. He's a very uh, influential filmmaker, and he does some really bizarre stuff. And um, you know, I wanted to see if you guys had seen Videodrome. I actually rented this from Video Update on a recommendation from one of the clerks. Um, I couldn't find a movie I was looking for. He's like, "Get Videodrome. It'll blow your mind." And so I was like, "Okay," you know, a little like 13, 14 year old me. Popped it in and was very, very surprised by what I got. So, Ooh. has anyone not seen this film before? What I've seen it before. Kyle, you've seen it, Mike. Okay, so here's the thing. I I thought I had seen it before, and I fucking didn't. <laughs> 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 like I I I realized that I I was so familiar with shots in the scene, like scenes that had happened in this film. 
that um, I was under the impression that I'd seen the whole film. Right. And then watching it, I'm like, yeah, I don't really remember any of the plot. And then I also realized that I, I might have gotten it mistaken with the Twilight Zone movie, like part of the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> I was like, I must have seen this when I was like five or six. But I no, I had not seen it's it. Just what, or either that or you just watched a shitload of top 100s in your life. And Wait, you're like, you've seen, I've seen clips I, you know from what I think it. it is? I think it's the opposite of what we talk about where we say like, okay, yeah, you know, there's films that like you want to get to but you never do because you're like, they're so well-renowned that you're like, you'll get to them eventually. Mm-hmm. This is one where I thought I had already gotten to it, and in reality, I never had. I was just so familiar with it. Uh-huh. Did you say you thought you saw this at six? I thought I had seen it like at an early age, I should okay. say. I was going to yeah, say, I man, I if I had seen this at six, would be <laughs> like I think that but would tra- I, I, change I, I, you. No, trust me, I've seen, I've, I saw worse than this film really? at age five or six. Yeah. My, my mom showed me like The Exorcist and shit like that, like okay. re- pretty bad films. All right. But hey, thanks, mom. I rented. <laughs> I, I I rented this one from the library. But this was at your library. What library were you going to, dude? It's a Criterion fucking collection. It's been a Criterion collection. It's been in the Criterion fold for fuck. I don't even know how long since since Criterion started putting out fucking flicks. And I I, I want to say this is I, I, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's one of the early spline numbers on their collection. But uh, no, uh, the the library had all the like Criterion or the home video entertainment, like the you know the Janos films or whatever the hell Janos films they had those those all there this was one of them and I was like oh Videodrome like I forgot what it was that encouraged me to get it but it was like this seems interesting like oh this you know this looks weird so I'll check it out and might I say cool DVD packaging on this for the Criterion side yeah, of it, it yeah. looks like it's like a VHS it's a DVD but like on the outside it all looks like a VHS let's tape be, let's be honest well, not it's a, a Blu-ray a beta right it's it was Blu-ray. a Blu-ray it is a yeah, Blu-ray yeah. Well, it's um, beta, right? It was beta. It looks yeah. like a beta disc coming out of like the the packaging. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Cronenberg really picked the wrong horse on that one, huh? <laughs> Went with beta. <laughs> Embarrassing hey, Cronenberg. Think, better quality. So. Better quality. Yeah. I think it makes it actually more unique, and I'm glad that he picked beta. Uh, no, so the first time I saw this was probably five or six years ago. Wasn't that long ago. How did you see it? Did you rent it? I, I was finally like, I'm going to watch this movie. It was one of those things where it's like, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And I finally got to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And watched it. And then uh, I remember going like, huh? Mm-hmm. Afterwards. And now seeing it for a second time, I feel like I have a much greater understanding. Yeah, I certainly have a better appreciation for the story. Yeah. Because, I mean, the first time I watched it, it was really like, it was just kind of a visual mind fuck. Whereas this time around, it was like, Okay, let me like dive into what the story is, what they're, I mean, what they're attempting to say about about like, like media and all this shit. And it was like, well, this is really kind of an interesting thing. You I know? almost feel like it, it, it. That's the reason it bombed in box office was that it takes a second watch because the first watch you're so just into the visuals, visuals that you're like, huh? I was really into why the visuals. Is, why is the stomach eating? people's hands and tapes well and as like, a young kid that's honestly what drew me to a right. lot of films was the visual aspect mm-hmm. of it like how can i can i can i rent the weirdest looking movie yeah. you know but yeah when you go back and watch it as an adult um you know and, and especially if having already seen it and right. knowing what's coming like you do yeah. dive into the well, story I, totally agree with, I totally agree with that with chris though on that because like even as a kid i was really into like special effects so it's like okay what movie has the coolest looking effects and right. shit and obviously this one has something like well known about it like that's the whole reason why i watch scanners as like you know a nine-year-old is because like oh there's a fucking head pop at the beginning i have to see what this looks Another like Another cronenberg film yeah right, exactly. exactly like and, and that's the same with like a lot of like the zombie movies as well just drew me in with that and then there's like there's more story that you 
you get to experience as well, you revisit it. But that's it. what I'm saying. Even as an adult, because like I said, I saw this probably for the first time five or six years ago, which I was an adult then. Um, I didn't necessarily get it. And I don't know if I still 100% well, get I can, it. Well, I can say from my per- perspective, not not realizing that I hadn't fucking seen the film before, but having definitely seen other Cronenberg films before. Cronenberg? <laughs> Cronenberg, yeah. I love Cronenberg. Mike calls him Cronenberg. Cronenberg, Cronenberg. They're that good of friends. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I had seen other films. I had seen, I, you know, History of Violence and you know Cosmopolis and all, you know, all, all you know, many of the others. You know, Scanners, The Fly, Fly, obviously. Yeah. Um, every one of Cronenberg's films has a, like a like it's how do I put it? It's a it's a exploration in a what if kind of thing. Like it's almost it's like a psychological exploration into like some hypothetical like right. everything is always like well what if what if we 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 went too far in this direction or what if you know so I knew going into this I'm like okay so obviously this is going to be about you know what if the TV you know was able to control or what what, what you know right. where are we going in this direction in our lives at this point in time right, I right. feel like all Cronenberg films have some I level some science of this going on there as well like like you know they, he always tries to explain how this could be possible right in all of his own even I, in this one I li- what I like about this movie and stuff and it really ties into a, a, several other films like from the 80s is that kind of like media and TV is becoming this it, is starting to it's like filmmakers are realizing the TV was turning into kind of a monster. And like even John Carpenter tackled it with They Live. It's like mm-hmm. where it's like the TV is like a mind control device that the government has put in place, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love that aspect. Really get my get my imagination going. I'm in this really movie. glad you said They Live. Do you think I'm going to talk about a lot about those? Yeah. Like I really want to discuss. Mm-hmm. Like, the, do you think that Cronenberg said, that. what if I started in Jason X? <laughs> Someday, what if? Because <laughs> he did, and it was a reality. See, yeah. He, yeah. that's a man that knows how to get things done. That's right. That's if you right. will it, it is no dream. <laughs> Guess what? I'm, I'm sure there's a Cronenberg film about that. What if human beings could will reality? Yeah, that's pretty much existence. <laughs> right? Yeah, boom. <laughs> it is. boom. Yeah, it is existence. Another one that I've actually seen. That movie's yeah. boring. I like oh, it. Go I like back and watch it, dude. Yeah. It's not boring. It's, it's not really boring. good. I agree. I don't All know. Right, I guys, being slow. Before we talk about existence, <laughs> let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Videodrome. What about it, Nikki? Is it socially positive? Well, I think we live in overstimulated times. We crave stimulation for its own sake. We gorge ourselves on it. We always want more, whether it's tactile, emotional, or sexual. And I think that's bad. <laughs> then why did you wear that dress? Sorry? That dress. It's very stimulating. And it's red. You know what Freud would have said about that dress. And he would have been right. I admit it. I live in a highly excited state of overstimulation. Listen, I'd really like to take you off to dinner tonight. All right, guys, we're back and we're talking about Videodrome. Let's just start this off with the typical question that we usually ask. I think this is pretty simple to answer. Is this a cult film? And if it is, why? Kyle. Yes, it is a cult film. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Because of how weird and bizarre and like, I mean, it's total Cronenberg. Cronenberg in himself would be a cult film director. But I think this film as well, on top of that, deals with a lot of stuff that I feel like it was prominent in the 80s, like 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 media taking over, um, 
crazy and really intense special effects from Rick Baker. Like I think I feel like it's all those kind of oddities that form together to make a cult film. And this movie has it. Chris? Yeah, I would say it is a cult film and I would say it is um just a, a an it is Cronenberg. You could argue that he is a cult film director to some degree. That's what I, I just argued. Are you going to disagree with me? No, I'm not going to argue. Okay. I'm not going to argue <laughs> at that point. You just go ahead and argue with him right now. Like some people might say, no, he's mainstream, you know, because he's done a mainstream lot of mainstream films, films. But like, you know, ultimately, I think it comes down to his his style of filmmaking, and you know, in just about every film he's done, it's body horror centric. Um, he does blend like a lot of eroticism with, with horror, with science fiction. Um, you know, this, this film is a prime example of almost everything Cronenberg has to offer. And, you know, I think it kind of, it, it stands outside of a lot of his other films. Um, it, it has a, uh, it has a unique feel. So I think that kind of sets it apart and makes it a cult film. What about you, Mike? I, without a doubt, Cronenberg, Baker, I mean, like, right off the bat right there. But, you know, and going on to what Chris said about, you know, the idea of him being mainstream, let's be honest, most mainstream film he's done is The Fly, yep. and that is a fucking cult sci-fi film. Well, History of Violence is main, was a mainstream film. Very much so. Like... I, I would say, actually, I would actually arguably say that it's, it's not his most well-known film. No, it's not. Because it's I not. bet you if you even ask anybody on the street, they're going to be like, I mean, yeah, I kind of think I remember seeing that it had Aragorn in it, right? Like, I think that's what people would normally mm. say. I think I'd agree with you. I think History of Violence is probably his most critically acclaimed film. Right. Well, with uh, Eastern Promises probably, mm-hmm. m- maybe even being ahead of that, I think. I think those the, there was like an era where, let's, like if you look at the, the, the majority of his films, his films are notorious for having mixed reviews. Yeah, because they deal with like some pretty heavy issues, and whether or not he connects on on actually hitting that on any film is the thing. But I feel like History of Violence and like Eastern Promises are probably those two, and then The Fly for Christ's sakes. Right, those are his like big critically acclaimed films. But and The Fly is a quintessential sci-fi cold film. Like, so I mean, a lot of his newer stuff, I would say, is it has gone more the mainstream. I mean, I'm looking at it right now: A Dangerous Method, Cosmopolis. Those were Ma- Map the Stars. But yeah, I mean, Cosmopolis though. That's more like that. Almost felt like an indie film when I saw. Right. I mean, that was. I very... would say Naked Lunch was pretty big. Okay. It was a pretty big film. Um, you know, for him, anyways. Um, not qu- the Dead Zone. I mean, that yeah. was a mainstream. Oh, film. Oh yeah, what am I talking Scanners, about? Scanners. Right. That's pretty yeah, mainstream. That's like that's I mean, those kind exactly. of movies really picked up a lot of steam, like in the home video market. Like I wouldn't quite call them mainstream entries. Well, though. The, the only reason they're just big cult classics. The only reason Dead Zone would be mainstream is literally you put Stephen King's yeah, name Stephen on King. it. Stephen King. Eh. I mean, like, it's not, listen, it's not it's, the best Stephen his most King mainstream one. film is The Fly. Like, I mean, without I, 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 I would say yeah, and the yeah, most, the violence, most well yeah. known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that this is a cult film, and and it does something that I think is is really cool. Um, I think that this movie can be interpreted different ways now as technology is growing. Yeah, whether it, that's a, a positive or a negative, I don't. I mean, we can get into that later on. I think it's a positive, man. Like, cause okay. I I connected pieces with this story to re- like television today and what's happening today. Let's uh, why don't we go into? You want to go into the plot of this a little bit, like kind of like step yeah, by we step can go what's going the, on here. Yeah, we can go into the plot of it. Uh, it's 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 uh, basically you know um, uh, why do I want to say fucking Kevin Bacon? It's James, James Woods. Woods. Yeah, James Woods. Uh, James I, Woods. Why do I know? But why did I want to say Kevin Bacon? I don't know. I don't know. He's seven, probably knows James Woods. Seven degrees. Um, 
but like so basically he's a sleazy TV station owner correct um and he is looking for the next big hit right and the next big hit to him is a show that just shows basically murder and torture um and that to him is like that's the that's it that's the ultimate like we'll cross all the lines will be a big hit because crossing the lines and pushing the boundaries is what makes you a big hit right you got to um, make a splash nowadays yeah in this this newfound market which i think is i mean and, and i you know you think it's video but the, the title would suggest that but i think what they're dealing with is cable tv yes mm-hmm. right yeah the new introduction to this new 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 tv thing that you can see where now the ratings system doesn't you know you can you can show a lot more yeah show sex and nudity and violence and, and it, it almost seems like they just show that stuff and they don't care you know what I mean? Like well, I don't. I know think that's th- what it was like with home yeah. box office at the time, like HBO, as we would call it nowadays. <laughs> um, HBO, like, like it was a new thing to have a, a channel that you could buy, and you could see um, a film uncut and uncensored. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that was a big deal at the time. Or just a, yeah, like a privately owned uh, right. uh, TV station where you could show whatever content you wanted. Mm-hmm. You know? I wish I had something to add to this conversation, but I didn't have cable till senior year yeah. of high school. That's Sorry, okay. guys. So basically, there's this this group that owns uh, a spectacle. It's uh, Civic TV, right? Yep, no. Civic TV is the no, name. C- no, Civic, that's the name of the. The I'm talking. I'm talking about, about video drone. So. Oh, the video drone. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm talking about uh, was it spectacular spectacles or spectacular Spectacle. vision or something like that. Spectacle what? vision. Oh, you're talking the fucking of- glasses shop. Yeah, the glasses yeah. shop. Let's just call it that. There's a man who owns a glasses shop who is actually uh, in charge of this pirated program that that uh, James Wood has has supposedly stum- stumbled upon. Turns out it's it's actually like a, a weapon. Uh, to basically brainwash people into to doing stuff with with violent images, mm-hmm. um, and what I was gonna say is, I almost feel like in a weird way, like Cronenberg was not only saying something about violence uh, and how it affects people, maybe visually from seeing it in films and, and TV and stuff like that, or or the media news and stuff like that, but I also think he was. In some weird way, maybe not knowingly, maybe knowingly, I don't know. I don't know his mindset was kind of predicting the future of where television and or movies was was going. So this was meta, is what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but okay, but it didn't... because look at where we are now in television, Mike. Okay, right. I I had this conversation with somebody on a, on a live stream uh, today, where you know, go back ten years. You're not seeing fucking people get their heads cut off. I was watching The Strain, which is on FX, which is like a, a regular cable channel, and there's a head pop in the television show, and you see it, right. the whole thing. And there's a, a vampire just bashing in a skull, right. and you see the whole thing. Well, so, yeah, censorship has definitely gone has gotten laxer over the years. I mean, but, a, as it does with all mediums, I feel like. But... I feel like Cronenberg was and Cronenberg was saying you don't feel like Cronenberg was saying something like like no, about I, that with this I, no. film. I don't think that was the central oh, that's message. Where, I that's think that's where se- society's going. His central and what message was that that the that humans desire to see these images and obviously the reflection of that being I want to see it on TV. I want that's the only thing that gets me off anymore was a reflection of how they they would ultimately act later on in life. And quite honestly, 
in society, I don't think that society has gotten more violent or more uh, uh, depraved in any way. Mm-hmm. Crime is down uh, from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> is that certain? Um, people aren't more inclined, yeah. I think, to do these. We've been in a war right. for 10 years or over 10 years. That's that a has political an, thing. That has nothing yeah. to but do. That's also what this movie is saying is is, is a lot of it is a political stuff to use it as a weapon. Like, but, but I no, but I don't think like that. You've seen a war on television for the last 12 Plus years. I think generally people uh, look at violence and sex on TV. Because if you're going to make this argument, Cody, you're, you're going to have to make the argument that, that TV and video games influence people and that we shouldn't show it to people because it might kill them or it might make other people kill other people. In which case, I don't believe that. I, I feel believe like that, that people... in a way, hey, you may not agree with it, but I feel like in a way that's kind of what Cronenberg was saying. Yeah, and I think he's wrong. I think that, yeah, I think at the time that he was coming out, that was a very legitimate thing to try to explore, which is what I think all Cronenberg's film, Cronenberg films do, is I think that they, they take a situation that he's seeing a, a trend in society, and he wants to explore that, and he takes it to a slippery slope argument or maybe even like a hypothetical, right. and he explores that thing. Just like They Live is, is a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Like Now, I, I, I wanted to talk about how those two films are different in a way. I think They Live, I think... Carpenter's a a much better job at predicting the future right. than Cronenberg does. Yes. I think with this film, he sees the new introduction of Cable coming in, and he's seeing that now, okay, now we can have violence and sex actually wired into our TVs that anyone can see them, essentially. And I think that this is going to influence people to uh to 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 reflect in them the depravity mm-hmm. that's already yeah. within them, and quite honestly, I haven't seen that in society. I don't yeah. feel more well, depraved being a fan of cult films and watching violence right. and sex and or anything. Well, I have no yeah, interest in it's, doing it's any it's of these. Kind of things. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where it has affected. Uh, I, and I, I've read a couple articles on this stuff. You know what the the uh, the big hit thing in in porn is right now? No. Violence, masturbating. Nope, violence. It's like forced. It's like, but that's not any. I don't think that's anything new. Of course, of course, the more you see violence in the media, it's going to have some kind of effect on society. Maybe not everyone, but there are those people out there that are absolutely going yep. to think it's okay and it's more normal to be violent because they see it more regularly. And I think Cronenberg maybe tapped into that a little bit. I don't think either of you are wrong like with what you're saying. I think there's a blend of both of those ideas going on here. I think it's, it's calling out the inner depravity of, of, a, of a human being, um, but it's also uh, feeding the violence as well. Yeah, like yeah. I just, mean, I mean, this is the this is a this is an argument as fucking old as we can, as, <laughs> as old as any of us are, and it's like you know, it's, it's the thing with like, oh, violent video games make violent kids, violent movies make violent people, violent music or aggressive music makes aggressive people. I don't really, I mean, if we're gonna talk about like the whole the, the just the whole overarching like theory on it, I'm gonna totally disagree with all of that because I don't feel like that's. I feel like if you if you take a normal kid and have him play a fucking violent game, he becomes violent. It's it's a kid's total lack of empathy and like for others around him. And I feel like that's the bigger issue if you want to talk about nowadays is a total lack of empathy that people are having because of social media because right. everyone is hiding behind a computer screen. I don't think Cronenberg predicted that. I think Cronenberg was trying to predict that specifically that watching violence will create violence and that's something I completely and totally disagree with. I 
I will agree with you on that. I do think that's that is the the direction that he was going. I think both you and Mike, but I do think I do agree with you also in the in the fact where that when you when you you see this stuff, you do become desensitized to it. So when it does happen, maybe in a real life situation, which I also think is what Cronenberg was trying to say with this film too. Like when it does happen in a real life situation, you you either have like no feelings or it doesn't affect you like it should, and you you. You know what I mean? You forget about it and move on so quickly. I don't actually 100% agree with Kyle, what Kyle said. M- my issue is not that I thought that there uh, was a group of people that was trying to show us violent images and making us violent. I thought that this film was very pretty clear in saying that um, it's the it was putting the blame on the audience. Right. For accepting it. As, as saying, no, 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 for desiring it. There, there is. I mean, the, the very end of. I mean, most of the end of this film is a constant question to to uh, uh, asking Max constantly, um, "Why did you want to watch this? What does what desire did you? Right. Why did you cons- consistently want to?" And he follow and, and this? he hid behind you business. Stop doing it, and he Goals. kept saying that, and that obviously was a lie, right? To some extent, and you know, he he actually gets hooked up with a girl. That um, obviously he had a sexual attraction. Debbie to, Harry, he gets yeah. hooked up with Debbie Harry, who is mm-hmm. also kind of like a sexual deviant. You know, like they do weird, like you know, p- painful things to each other and enjoy it. So it's already within I, him. I think that was the thing. The idea behind the Videodrome, or, or or the even the idea behind all of this, was that it was the audience that was desiring something, and capitalism, so to speak, or whoever, was just providing that. To, and what was that saying again for the, for the audience? Not necessarily uh, an evil corporation necessarily trying to inject it in the mind, which is more like a they live kind of thing, I right. think. Was, was more like they're controlling you yes. versus we are desiring something, then what the fuck does that say about us? Yeah, right. but there, yeah. There, there, is a, there is a statement about, um, about brainwashing here, though, yep. because essentially they use James Woods in this film as a test subject. I they mean, sure that's, that's what he is. Like, they're testing a program on him which eventually proves to to kind of work and then sort of fall apart yeah. at the end. Because they, like, say, they say their plan is to wipe out... So basically, they're, they're scraping, they're getting rid of the, the bottom of the barrel, right? To Basically, from what I'm understanding, is creating this brand new pure society that isn't affected by this kind of stuff because they wouldn't necessarily watch it. I think it's the end game. Yeah, but this yeah. is going back to what to, to completely tell you what Mike was saying, is that they're trying to, they're trying to reach out to the people that... Are seeking this shit out, and that, but, but the, but so I want to go back to something Chris said though. I didn't quite understand what you meant about the brainwashing thing because I don't see brainwashing happening really in this film in the slightest, except maybe in James Wood's character at the very end where they're trying to get him to to act on for them. But that was, but I don't feel like their end game was ever to brainwash anyone. That was definitely their. You don't know. No, no I feel like, their end, like their, through the whole hallucinations. No, and I feel everything like, like I feel that. like their end game was to to basically implant these tumors using the radio waves and and or whatever the fuck it was and create hallucinations was created violent acts or they were killed off by the brain well, brain tumors to me that's no. brainwashing there was brainwashing with with james woods because that's every time they were putting like a tape in him well, that's because he was the test subject yeah is a, but is it like an order right yeah that's the that's how he got the instructions to go and kill his co-workers when they put the tape in him and then you, and then you hear the guy's voice in his head but saying, the, Go "But the conversation on brainwashing really that that initially stemmed from like us discussing the difference between this and they live." And I feel like they live is hardcore brainwashing. That's like legit brainwashing, yeah, that, where 
you're you're brainwashing on a day to day basis to basically get people to act a certain way. I think the difference is is that in 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 this film, they're targeting people that desire to see these violent things, and they're saying, uh, if you have a desire to watch Videodrome. These are the people or the undesirables that we don't want in society. Yes, right. They live is a completely different thing where it's just like, let's target the innocent and put them under our boot and have them work for us and be slaves to our own fucking thing and we're also we're aliens. Like, I feel like that was, I mean, that's <laughs> right. they live, essentially. It's it. They're two different, they're tackling two different sit- scenarios a little bit that, that ultimately, like, in practice... Mm-hmm. Um, are similar only in the only in the aspect of that we don't know they exist. But, right. but, but both are kind of right though. They're too. implanting they're in, implanting I- impulsive actions. Like I mean, you know, whether you're you're seeing it on a billboard, not realizing you're seeing it, or you're 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 getting the directions directly fed into your body. You know, it's kind of the same. It's like, the same idea. I'll give you this example. Out of control of yourself. For for me, for example, this is a personal thing with me. Like, I don't know how many people when beheading videos were going on and those were on the internet. I don't know how many people told me like, "Oh man, I went and watched that beheading video. Did you watch it?" And I'm like, "No, no, yeah." They're like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because I don't want to see someone get their fucking head cut off. That's disgusting." Like, you know what I mean? I can watch it all day in a movie because I know it's fake, right? But the the real deal, I have no desire to see. But there are people out there who have that desire to see that shit. I mean, I, I would say I'm I was guilty in my younger years. I wanted to watch the Faces of Death videos. Yeah. I wanted to challenge myself and see if I could take it. Now I've I'm grown up and I could care less if I ever see another violent act see, like that, that again because it makes me feel sick. But that 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 there there is a desire, an innate desire, I think, in a lot of us yeah, as so, humans, because death Death in general is like so uh, mysterious. So, do you think he's just saying that about human nature in general? Then, no. Here's the thing: what I think this is what I think is like going back to the whole "they live" versus video drum. Both of these films um, try to predict a future, a future event in a, in a sense with hypotheticals, right? I feel one of those films actually does uh, uh, the experiment that they were trying to. To, to show in the film actually does come true and one doesn't. And I think in They Live, that that's an experiment that we have seen as it now has played out in history. We have seen that like, yeah, absolutely. I think that like, you know, you know, uh, social media and, and like subliminal. The, subliminal things and stuff yeah. like that, that, that has shown that people do, there are susceptible to these things. What I have not seen is yes, I agree, Cody. There are a, there is a certain type of person that wants to see some dude's head get run over by a tank, you know. But I also don't think that that, that person is in any way an undesirable that I don't want in society. Just because I can't take that image, I don't think that that person necessarily. Um, but I also is think- not fit. To, to live or be part of you, our okay. of our of our lifestyle. Do you, our let life. me let me ask you this question then. Do you think that by Cronenberg was saying that people that are into this stuff may or I guess that is kind of what he's saying. Uh, I mean, we've kind of already talked about this, but yeah, do you I, think he was personally saying that people who are into this kind of violence or stuff like that in the media who want to watch it who do crave it are more prone to violent acts. Yes, yep. yes. I, I, I do think that. I think I think by the story he was telling, I think he was kind of making a generalized statement that yeah. if you are somebody that likes to watch this, then in his, in, at, least, at least in Cronenberg's mind, if I can make an assumption, is that you are more predispositioned to 
violent acts and acting out on these feelings as opposed to just being somebody who, to Chris's point, just wants to kind of challenge yourself and try to push yourself as far as you can and see what kind of crazy stuff just to see maybe maybe just to find out how you will react to it i mean i mean the the, the whole thing with the, the the violent thing yeah it's it's violence and death is a really powerful fucking thing for sure and i feel like everybody at some point in time kind of pushes themselves to kind of explore and experience it in their own unique way to see how they feel about it i think more often than not even i i, I mean i i I had friends in high school too that had a bunch of like, you know, different like weird videos they downloaded off the internet and stuff. And it was like, okay, let's see what this is about. And like, you know what? In, in within the first five minutes, felt sick in my stomach. I'm like, nah, this is not for me at all. And now I know. And it's like, and it kind of, re, it, it kind of reconfirmed what I already felt about like, I'm not a violent right. person. I don't like seeing that sort of shit. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's, it's fair to make a generalized statement that if somebody, because I mean, a lot of those people that I, watch those that 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 had those in high schools like i can tell you to this day like they're fucking they're um they're amazing husbands they're amazing fathers they're hard workers they don't you know it's just a, it's just a thing it's a phase that certain people go through there are certain a small sect of people who watch this and think god i wish i could do that myself or they relate it sexually and, somehow yeah like and, that. That, and that's what the character of max's love interest is that's what she represents the people who see this and want to be a part of it and whereas i think max's character is he views it but he's a, i feel like he's more of a casual observer or maybe he kind of enjoys it a little bit but it's never going to go beyond that listen here's the thing cronenberg is not i don't think he's the type of director that in any way is trying to teach us or, or trying to give us a steadfast moral position do you he's think an he, exploratory uh, director I'll yeah, agree but with that. yeah. Do you, but do you he think is he's just posing the question yeah, that's and, what I was and throwing say. it out there he is not saying that these are the type of people, and if you it, 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 that Max in any way is an undesirable person that shouldn't exist. He's the hero of the film. At the end of the thing, I mean, ultimately, he still kills what is the this 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 weird corporation or whatever the fuck they are, some uh, yeah, a dark entity that is trying the to, developers yeah, of this technology. Yeah. He, he he still beats him at the end. Granted, he kills himself at the end. Also, I, like again, it, it raises a lot of questions. I think Cronenberg's every film that Cronenberg ever does is he puts us in a hypothetical situation that makes us question you know well how would we act what is it it makes us think it doesn't right. make us it's he's not trying to jam a position down our throats Cronenberg makes no, for I, great podcast yeah he certainly does. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't disagree with that I, I definitely think he leaves it open for a lot of people's interpretation obviously here we all have kind of different opinions and kind of what he was trying to say which I think also going back to like, is it a cult film? What makes this film almost in a way timeless because it can relate to things that are going in on in our world today, even though this was filmed in what 1983, mm -hmm. you can relate things to this movie. Like I can fucking relate the walking dead to this movie. This movie looks badass for 83. Sorry. Just want to throw that in there. No, it it does, it, it's oh, pretty solid. We'll, we'll get into that here after this segment. <laughs> but I, I, like I said, like I can relate this to the walking dead where it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I can remember working in a fucking retail store and having kids come and seeing Walking Dead toys at f fucking five years old and younger and getting excited about it. I'm like, you let your kid watch fucking Walking Dead? They're decapitating people. Yeah, on that's there. different, though. That's, 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 that's art. That's fake. But still, it's, it's still an act of, of, of extreme violence, even if it's to a zombie. What Cronenberg tends to do, though, I feel like is mix 
sex and violence. Like those yes. those two things and really films like Crash. I they mean, go yeah. hand in hand for most for the most part. Even the fly, there's a sexual element to it. Like even if it's not like so super in your face, it's so like. So then, what do you think he's trying to say about sex then? I think he's saying we've that, talked a lot about the violence part I of th- it. I think he's definitely saying that sex and violence are related. Even like yeah. history of violence, there yeah. is that scene where I think he like finally takes control. And it's like this aggressive, like sixty nine scene or something. Do, yeah. do you think yeah. that's on a per on a on a personal level for him, or do you think? No, I think he just recognizes maybe that sex and violence are both incredibly intense emotions yeah. and yeah. stuff. Okay, and I, I think gotcha. that's that that's the correlation that he's trying to get audiences to recognize. A lot of times they're used together. I mean, honestly, right. like yeah. they're, they're no. similar types of stimulation. But they both they both have the same they both have the same stimulation level. Whether whether you're you're bridging them together as one or you're leaving them as separate entities, and I think. That's what are, he's trying to say. Yeah, and the, and they are, and I agree with that. But like again, for like my this is my own personal life and how I I got into this film. Like, violent sex is not like my, my thing. Like, you heard it hurt here first, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it. You know Cody what? You're safe with Cody. You know what? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> You're safe with Cody. If you want to be safe, think Cody. Yeah, <laughs> I've never had a safe word. You know what I mean? Like, I never had that shit. Like, <laughs> wait, wait. wait. Yeah, I get that. I understand there's extremes to everything. Yeah, I've never I've never been like super into the whole like, yeah, I want to get an S and M. I'm not choking I, people. I, right. Mike wants to get a S and M. I want to get I want to get an S and M. Is that can I just get one S and M please? <laughs> not S&M, two. One S and M. no, no. I, I, I but I think what he, the, the connection between sex and violence I don't think necessarily has to go to the extremes to actually make that connection. Both of those that there are two things in life that your emotions can take over and create a desire within you that is like almost primordial, you know? Yes, sex like, and violence. Sex and violence have that effect on people. Like an intense anger and intense hatred can cause you to, you know, you do you do an action and then when you come, come to your senses, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I just fucking did that. Yeah. And sex can she? be that way that too. <laughs> An intense desire or intense lust right. can make you, uh, y- you act out and do things that you would normally, your inhibitions get lost and you do these mm-hmm. things. You might and then eat all an of ass a sudden, just because you're in the moment. You might the quote of the week right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, there Not violently. Somebody though. put that shit on yeah. a shirt. Cody just went from very, very, very comfortable person that you can hang out with and Netflix and chill to somebody that you might have to want to cover your ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to eat anyone's ass. What I'm saying is, you might if you were in the moment. <laughs> no, that's basically what you guys are saying. But, no, but no, what I'm saying is that sex and violence both have the same. They have the same control over us. It's it, it is it is a primordial, almost a um, animalistic, yep, primordial uh, desire, like uh, like like uh, instinct. Yeah. I would say yeah. that that kind of s- drives those two things. And he's making the connection that they're very very similar in that aspect. I don't think he's trying to say that necessarily violence turns people on or sex makes people oh, fucking want to do. To hurt people, I think he's definitely saying that violence turns people on in this movie. I would say for sure because he does, he does go on to make Crash, which is essentially that exact concept. If you want to be a really powerful storyteller, I mean, he's great at tapping into those two things because he knows those two things are universal. Yeah. So that's the best way to also tell your story and get it across. All right, guys, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the technical technical side of the film. You knew what was there. You didn't have to see it. It really does work on just about anybody. Anybody who watches it, Max. But why would anybody watch it? 
Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. Sure. What about the other reasons? Why deny you get your kicks out of watching torture and murder? All right, guys, we're back. We're talking about Videodrome. Came out in 1983. Do you want to talk about some of the technical aspects of this film? Thought first we start off with the acting, uh, because I will tell you right now, man, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, performances from from Woods is in this movie. I feel like he's like almost like a real person. Sometimes in movies, I don't feel like he's a real person. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like in this one, I, I I his character and and the way he looks and the way he acts is just believable. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Very convincing, very natural. Yeah. Actually, for such an odd role, it, like yeah. it, he does play it very well. He does. It, it, it is very. It, but it, at the same time, I have to say, like I'm pretty much like James Woods in anything. Yeah, like really? he's like I, I can't think of anything I dislike him. I in. feel like James like it. For me, when you guys are saying, like, he's so natural and shit like that, that's actually surprising me a little bit. I'm not saying that this isn't one of his more natural roles. I always feel like James Wood is... Like the... Always- not acting? No, no, no. <laughs> He's no, just himself? No. Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, nowadays, who fuck knows? Like, he's he's all over the map now. But um, I feel like James Wood is that weird character actor that is actually a leading actor. You you ever meet those guys that yeah. like like Steve Buscemi has kind of become that guy that like yeah you could probably put him in that um uh uh William H Macy is another one that's like yeah he's a, like known as a character actor but like you could put him in a film and he can carry the movie and he can carry the film himself mm-hmm. I feel like James Wood is that guy too that he plays such a weird I want to say smarmy is a good word to to describe his entire role he's oh. Have you ever seen James Woods play anybody that isn't like a shrewd kind of like kind of a shitbag a little bit? There it is, right there. I was <laughs> just saying that, that off air. Swarmy shrewd shitbag. Swarmy shitbag. Swarmy shrewd shitbag. But this one is more of a smarmy one. But um, <laughs> smarmy shitbag. I, I I think he's fan. I think he is really good in this role. I, I really do like him. If there's anybody that's gonna play this sleazy, you know, uh, like low end fucking cable network. I feel uh, like he can programming yeah, I, director. I agree, with, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. even even his character in um, like John Carpenter's Vampires is right. kind of like a great example. It's kind of like a gritty, yeah. shitty well, fucking dude. You he's know, he's not yeah. a bad. In most of the roles that I see him in, he's never a bad guy, but he's never a good guy That's what either. I'm like he's, he's he kind of rides a, that line of like but, I kind of play by but, my own. But rules. he's also never the antihero. He's just kind of a dick. Yeah, always, <laughs> you know what? He always he always plays the role of like. If you had to cast a, a car salesman in a movie, like James would be perfect for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Like he has that. Like when you're like, I, I think don't that's hate. That's a little it. degrading. No, no, no. No, no. There's no, there's certain actors all. that are really good at playing a certain role. I think that James Woods. I can't imagine James Woods playing like a really sensitive. Yeah. Loving father. Yeah, like you know, like hey, hey, son, how are you doing today? <laughs> I need to like, go look at his career and not, see if he's not, done not that. Not without being like you know. Now I'm gonna go downstairs and like open up my box of porn. Like, <laughs> like he's like, just that type of dude that kind of exudes that, and I think he does it incredibly well. That's a, that's a testament to his. He's like talents, a scene not... controller. Like he always seems to control the He'll scenes. He'll steal a fucking yeah, scene. Absolutely, like, he's a scene stealer. I thought uh, P- what's his name? Peter Dros- Drosky? Drosky? 
Drozdorfsky. I don't that? know. I don't know who you're talking that? about at this point. That's Harlan. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was fantastic the pirate, too. The hacker. But drunk. I'll I liked him. Dude, I thought he's great. I'll say Deborah Harry, surprisingly, Great. so good. Yeah, like it's it beautiful. It, it was funny. Wow. It was funny at first glance, though. At, at Mike, Mike had that. Mike was watching this and he had it paused, and it was the scene when she's like talking to him through the TV for the first time. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, is is that Meg Foster? <laughs> I don't know why, but she just had that wow. look that reminded me. That's <laughs> insulting. Yeah, I Debbie mean, Harry. Is it was just that gorgeous. specific scene, though. Yeah, when I, I watched the movie, when I mean. watched the movie, yeah. you know, when she's just, you know, well, that was more like Deborah Harry is. It, it for for somebody that came from music, you know, not everybody makes that transition well. I feel like she does it like like uh, like very much like a Madonna. Totally, like somebody that's like, wow, you really you really can do both but, of those things like equally but, well. Like uh, I'm not, I, I I don't know how convinced I was on her performance. I was, dude. I oh, thought, I she thought was great. it was. I was because very convinced. How, it's uh, really hard. Hold on, it's really hard not to be convinced on the other actors. Performance, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the other actors do. There's really not that much big roles besides James Woods. Like James Woods is the main focal point of this movie, and everybody else is kind of like a sub character, or, or, or uh, you know, uh, um, like you only see them for short periods of time. Like you really have no other. You don't have any connections to them other than what you see. It's not like like oh, I can relate to the crazy sex video lady. Or I can relate to Bianca O'Brien or o- Oblivion. I liked like, Bianca Oblivion. I did too. too. I actually liked her a lot. <laughs> I thought she was a but great I, actress. She's I, a great what actress. A name. She's a great actress. But honestly, like, is was there a, a character trait where you're like, you really cared for her, or you, you know, I, like, I, I liked, like I, that? I liked her character because I like, I liked, I liked the path that her character took when you first meet her. It's like she's totally all in on what's going on and shit. But then, as like as James Woods learns more. You learn more about her character and that she's she also is totally opposed to this video drone thing. And it's I liked Bridie too. She like the 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 office assistant that kept coming in like checking she, yeah. in on him. Yeah. I liked her like for even like we were saying, kind of a smaller role popping in and out here and there. Like especially when he goes in there and shoots up the office and she kinda tries to save him a little bit. She's like, yeah. Come on, come in this room and everybody just kinda ignores the fact that he just blew two people away in this office. Well, he was acting like he was injured as that well. That was yeah. That was an ent- I mean, that was that actually, that's actually one scene that I actually did have a problem with, where I felt like the writer as well was like, "You could come up with a better way to get him out of that scene." Right. Like I, agree. I, was I like, agree really? Too. He's like, I was like rolling my eyes. Been, like, I think I've been shot in this room with no doors as well. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I was rolling my eyes hard in like, that scene. Yeah. One thing I will say though is, and maybe it was just me during that scene, it felt um, almost. It felt almost like that could have been a hallucination. Like, as when the people ran in the room, they're like, "What's going on? What happened? What happened?" And it almost seemed like played out to where it wasn't like such a chaotic situation. Like, it was almost like I, I felt like maybe he something else happened in that room for a second, and like mm. he imagined. Well, you know why he did. That. I kind of agree with you, and you know why. There's one thing that I did notice about that scene that I was like, "What is going on here? Why?" If you notice when you're watching that, if you watch in the background, there's uh, a behind James with there is a window, and you do see. Uh, I'm sorry, what's her name? Uh, uh, who grabs him out of the room? Bridie. Bridie. You see Bridie in the back behind that glass, walking back and forth. Right. As as the gunshots are going off. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought. I thought. I, I I noticed that too, and I thought like, oh, people are gonna run in from there yeah. and stuff. But I was just like, no why one does. Is there, is there just like a stagehand that's just walking back and well, forth in the shot? Like, <laughs> I think as this film progresses, there is this uh, 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 like uh, like a collision 
of what is surreal and what is actually yeah. reality. Because I'll tell you what the scene that really confused me was when um, the uh, videographer, he's like, uh, he, he actually makes the transition back to the uh, optical store. And yes. He's like putting the box and then he tries to inject the uh, tape. tape into the guy's, uh, to Max's stomach. And then he comes out and it's a grenade. Yeah. And he goes through like the rest of the, the back offices, like the, yeah, the, and other the, people the stock see it. and people react to it as if, holy shit, his hand is a grenade. Mm-hmm. But if this is a hallucination and Max is not in the scene anymore, he's in this other room that he that this other guy left him in, like how are these people reacting to this? Perceived reality is what That's I got what from it. Yeah, I'm feeling like maybe the outside world is not It's I'm, affected it's affected by like I always feel like that is kind of the the a little bit of what happens in this movie is like they talk about a lot about perceived reality, perceived reality, sorry. And uh and how what perceived reality is real. And I feel like if he's that guy somehow through this magical world that they live in that he perceived that he pulled his arm out and there was a grenade attached to it, so therefore he blew up. So do you think he actually, like, in, in the reality yes. thing, he actually somehow stuck an actual explosive on him? He No, it, it, some, yeah. Like, or, or, or the, like, almost in a way I feel like mm. his mind willfully turned his hand into a grenade and it exploded. No, but now you're making the bridge In reality... In re- in reality, what actually happened is James Wood like fucking what planted a fucking grenade in him, but in the guy's vision, it was a hand. Is what you're saying? Right, right. Yeah. As I understood it, is that like yeah, James Woods can look at the gun as an extension of his hand that has been like somehow morphed right. on. morphed on in some way, but like when he's aiming it at somebody, it's just a regular gun. Yeah. Nobody else is seeing it that right. way. That yes. is just that is just a personification of his own mind, or not a right. personification, but like an actual materialization of his own mind, right. where he's seeing that like this gun is an extension of me. I have to shoot because this yes. is a part of me. Mm-hmm. But the grenade scene is one where I'm like, okay, well, James Wood is now in the other room. He's not technically witnessing this anymore, and we're having other people react to it in such a way. That it's not James Woods like actually controlling the scene anymore, which leads me to believe like how is this how is this how is the scene even playing out in reality? Right. If this is just a surreal interpretation, well, I think of that it. was a huge goal of the film was to get you get the viewer to not quite know what reality well, was. Well, if you wanted to like, do that, he did a very good no, job. No, he did. <laughs> I definitely think that like, is what he wanted. I to do. think yeah. it was to almost make the audience feel like they might have been hallucinating, or they they don't know what to believe. They don't. They're with James Woods. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, I wanted to bring up that that scene where he kills. Um, God, I'm blanking on his name. The main dude who yeah. who creates the program, right? Um, he's when he's chasing him, him around on stage and yeah, shit. he chases him around on stage when he shoots him, and and his stomach basically turns into sweet and sour chicken, and it's just like <laughs> Barry gurgling convex. And, oh, be- convex, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like like those effect. Like that's like a weird thing to happen, right? Like he shoots this guy dead, and this guy suddenly turns into this. It almost like creature. looks like an insect is trying to get out of his body or right, something. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, I, I love the effects that they did. Can I tell that. you? Can I tell you something before we get into the effects? Because I do want to talk about the effects. Yeah. I almost when that happened, I almost went, "Oh my god, they're going the la- they live route." Like, it's aliens this whole no. time. Like, I was waiting for an alien to crawl out oh, of. Them. Like, shit. We've been here the whole time. 
alien. Why is like, it? Why is the alien like a like? <laughs> <laughs> but going back to the effects, because I think that is uh, another crowning jewel of I this. Th- I feel like that's movie. like the I, I meet for me anyway. Personally, I feel like that's like the shining fucking star of it. I mean, I, let- I feel like that really takes like the top place in this film in my eyes. Like, let's be honest, Rick Baker, like, fucking kills it. Oh, he fucking does. In terms it's of... It's gorgeous. Of, like, of all of being the, able to do that. All of the weird, because, like, keep, like, even what Chris was just describing, like, that particular effect of the dude, like, melting after he gets shot for some reason, and, like, the gaping hole in James Wood's chest, and all the stuff going on the TV, it's like, Rick Baker was really challenged to create some really bizarre shit, and, like, he killed it. Yeah. I feel like he made... I mean, don't get me wrong, like... Seeing it on Blu-ray and stuff, I'm like, yeah. I mean, the effects, the, fe- the, the effects look a little wet. I would <laughs> say, like they're really yeah. uh, the glossy. You know, yeah. like they use a lot of like water and slime to kind of make them look more quote unquote real. But they still looked fucking phenomenal. Like it's all the, the sh- shit with James Wood's stomach is just creepy and well, gross. Well, it's the sheer creativity I think that yeah. that really like makes it okay. The gun because yeah, there's some there's some parts where you can tell like. It's not really James Wood's actual torso. Yeah. It's just his head and his arms. You know right. what I mean? But, but the but what it's what's happening in that scene that, that you're like I have never seen that occur on oh, screen right, before. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the, the, I feel like the handgun I felt like was like one of the most powerful scenes in terms of effects because just seeing all those weird tubes pushing their way through his thumb and then out the other end and then right. wrapping themselves Slowly. around yeah. like yeah it was like a great use of reverse I'll reverse tell you what that photography actually reminded and... me a little uh, quite a bit of is like every freddy movie you think it had a similar uh style yeah like in terms of like that no, that's scene weird i reminded in, it reminded me of uh it reminded me of the uh the uh the woods rape scene from evil dead where she's getting pulled and all the vines are going through that's his head head one. and face because that's, that's all reverse one. photography as well i was seeing it as like 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 a lot of uh, a lot of the uh uh you know the nightmare and elm street films they have that weird like there is like this weird stop motiony kind of like thing that they yeah. do in some of them where it's yeah. like Things like TV sets connect to people, and they turn right, into right. they morph with people. Like, but I, I, thought, I, thought, it was I thought that one though. had yeah. The, the only difference I would say between this and maybe the the the, the like the Freddy movies is mm-hmm. that I feel like those like as time went on, those effects became a little more obvious and stuff. Whereas with Evil Dead, like that scene is just I. Even though nowadays it does look kind of dated, but it still looks solid as fuck, and it has the same exact color palette and tone as this movie. So well, I liked it a I lot. I actually do want to go into too, because like when you when you think about, I mean, we can we we discussed this multiple times on this on the show, uh, the idea of be, between um, practical effects and digital effects. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot imagine when I was watching the whole thing of him being like this VHS or Betamax player. Yeah. Like this, this slit in his body right. that existed. It, you know what it is? It's like when digital is is not quite as um, convincing as you would like it to be. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely not forgiving of it. Mm-hmm. But with practical effects, like y- you're right, Chris. Like there were scenes where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can tell where the latex begins and the flesh begins. Right. right? Even watching that scene, it still had me cringing. Exactly. Like, there was still, like, this, ugh. It's because it's something, it's something physical that you're it's, seeing. It's tangible. No. It yes. has a... Exactly. It's I, like I, a book. It, it, it feel, Like, you can feel it. Like, it has texture yeah. to it. Yeah, because you're actually shooting it. The camera ugh. is responding yeah. to it. It's responding to the way the light's reflecting off of it. And you can those things. Like, in, in digital, I feel like with CG and stuff like that, yeah. you cannot forgive bad CG. Hold right. on. I have an answer for this. 
We just answered it. I have an answer. Different answer. It's not Young Love, is it? Nope, it's okay. not Young Love. There's no Young Love in this film. There's okay. A, there's Young Love. Middle-aged love. <laughs> uh, no, my, my answer for this is actually what I thought um, was another, just, this, just another solid part of this film. Uh, actually, what grossed me out the most about that stuff because I was in the same boat, right? I was watching it, and I was like, "God, that you know that that, that that's cool." Obviously, it didn't age as well, you know, but that's very cool. What made me uncomfortable and grossed out was the fucking sound effects of oh, the kissing scene. <laughs> no, oh, just I know like, what you're talking about, Mike. Yeah, that. you know what I'm talking about. Though. Yeah, you're right. Though they, yeah, they, they, yeah they, just like an... reaching into like his body and just hearing. Hell yeah, man! Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, sound is fifty percent of your like, movie." That's so gross, and, you know. It does make all the difference, and, yeah. And like, and and that's a huge part when you're doing body horror. You got to have squishy sounds, you know. <laughs> it's like society. You can, you know, like it wouldn't work as well if you didn't have some squishiness. That, that is true. But let's let let's, let's talk about that kissing scene. What the fuck? It was weird. It was yeah, really weird. Like when him and Deborah Harry first start making out, like on their floor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so loud. It's like somebody just took two fucking slabs of yeah. like. It remind it reminded me of, it reminded me of the in- slapping them together. Like I don't know Wait, what, what the movie? fuck it is. Yeah, it yeah. reminded me. It reminded me a lot of the intro to kids, where oh, that's God. just the most uncomfortable fucking scene because it's kissing, but then. Who cares what's happening on screen? What's happening in my ears is just so uncomfortable. It's like, ah. It is my biggest pet peeve in all films is when they have a makeout scene and you can hear the yes. smacking of yeah. lips. Of, hey. Like, Ugh, just, gets under your just skin. mute the you know shit what? out of that. I don't care. It, it's fantastic. It's a creative decision to make somebody uncomfortable. It sucks if it's just like, uh, they, just did, they didn't know what they were doing oh, with the natural. audio. natural. Kissing should sound like this. No, it never you does. You can tell that that, that sound is put I, I, and I don't think this was done on accident. I don't think this was a mistake from the sound department. No, I don't think so at all. In this it movie sounds all. like that sound effect was a few too few few too many decibels higher than <laughs> it, it should have been purpo- on purposely, the level. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, they could have put that in the background. Make that scene, they did not. Because keep in mind, in that scene, there there is nothing else going on in terms of background sound so at weird. all. There is oh. nothing. What do you guys think of the end? Long live the new flesh. So that was a that was a weird. I'm ending so kind of confused by that ending, honestly, because I don't necessarily under. I think I realize or understand what fucking the new flesh really is. I mean, like, I, is it a cross video, between? No, video is. It, I mean, they kind of explain it in the, like in the beginning when uh, what's his name, a uh, uh, Doctor Oblivion. What's it? Brian Oblivion. Brian Oblivion. Which, Oblivion. by the way, worst fucking name. Ever in film. You don't like Oblivion? He sounds like a really bad Reno magician. Brian Oblivion. I'm Brian Oblivion. Right now, I'm bull hey, out of my head. Brian Oblivion. But you know Mike what? Me, me and Mike also discussed, you know what? If you had the opportunity to uh, to create your own name, I'd go with something cool, too. Yeah. I was saying to him, maybe I would change my middle name from David to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Kyle <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar Smith. It's just not believable, Kyle. <laughs> 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 Things of this vein. Yeah, I, I, think, I think basically the new flesh is um like it was almost kind of like became the resistance to what 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 was happening to james woods and the only way he felt like he could stop it which is what debbie harry i think was trying to tell him is to kill himself Hmm. but she basically says you'll be reborn again in the new flesh so what exactly is the new flesh video Here's what I here's what I was thinking. The Oblivion was reborn into new flesh yes. by having tapes. Yeah. Here's what I gathered. So how's Woods reborn then? Because he- here's the thing. So the whole idea of this, right? So Videodrome was created. 
to try to uh, separate the people that desired to look at this thing and say that there were some undesirables that we don't want in society, and it was a, a way to like kind of like cut the cut the fat from society, you know, right? Yeah, they like these people that wanted to see this shit was bad. I feel like Videodrome, like this resistance behind it was like, well, wait a second, well, why can't we, why can't we exist in this beautiful world, this beautiful world of violence and sex and blah 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 blah, and that that was what was the resistance to this was that somebody was trying to exploit it that was convex and his crew he was using this as a weapon to try to like maybe like cleanse society from the the undesirables they didn't want but video like the resistance was this whole thing was like no no he stumbled upon a thing that was actually maybe something we should be embracing in society Mm. and even that was something that at the end max realized like this is not the right route either this is not what we should be going either. Uh, that's what I thought was what he was but trying I kinda, I to do. I thought that I thought Oblivion's way of you know like resisting the Videodrome was, I mean, was part of the way his daughter was keeping alive on tapes. Because I mean, if you think about it, it's like he's resisting. He's still able to be a resistance, and he's untouchable at this point now that he's on videotape because Videodrome can never affect him again. He's moved on, and he he can still be a force of like change influence, and resistance yeah. and influence to it and not fall victim to Videodrome anymore. And so that then, was a way of resisting but the, it. The, but then so is... Um, so the idea is if James Wood kills himself, he can still well, live on through like... He already killed Convex, Convex right? Convex was already so dead So he killed point. him. He killed him and I think like the final... Like but, the, but Debra Harry's character... Yeah, but Debbie Harry's character... She's been dead. Yeah, but right. she's alive through through right. Right. video. Through, he, through his, through his my, my imagination, though. By shooting himself, he's rejecting that, correct? He's not He's not succumbing to it. Well, I... I don't know. that. There's a lot of questions everyone asks. It is to be determined, I think. <laughs> I think, but like... I, I think he's rejecting it in a sense, but like... like Views the new flesh as as yeah existing in this video world kind of in a sense right like which I feel like is the opposite of Convex's his goal is to exploit this yes to like spread not, it to the masses he's not somebody that's he's not putting on that helmet he's right. not trying to experience right. this right. he does not want to be like Brian Oblivion he wants to be because Brian Oblivion is somebody that as I understood it, was a professor that knew about this right? and then kind of dives into it head first well, he helped and then pays it. an yeah, ultimate he, he helped, price to He that. helped to develop right, it. Right, but he's he's like, um, I hate to say it, somebody like an Event Horizon, Sam Neill, who like he creates a, a thing that he wants to be a part of, like he becomes a part of it. Convex seems like somebody that's like, I'm just exploiting this. I don't want to be a part of, I don't want to, I don't want to. If this see, is a drug, if video drum is a drug, I don't want to actually smoke it. I, I thought, see. I saw Oblivion as like I created a monster, yeah, and now I regret it. Yeah, because I, I think that's the way they explain it in the yeah. film too. It's like I helped create this thing as kind of a tool. The people that I was helping create it with see it more as a weapon. I don't want this to exist anymore, and he resisted them. They then turned the weapon on him. Yeah, used it against him. Exactly. Right. 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 That, but that but was, he also. But, his, but he also. And they kind of explain this with James Wood too. They, he's also kind of explaining to James Woods, like, but you also get powers beyond your wildest abilities. Like, in a in a weird way, I think uh, even uh, Bianca Oblivion, Bianca Oblivion, kind of says that to him. There's a desire to want to see 
Videodrome, mm-hmm. but I don't. That, th- I don't think that Oblivion had that desire to see it. But I don't I know. Like, yeah, no, I feel like no, that was he wanted, like, he wanted it did. to be used for. I've, he wanted it to be used as a tool for good, not as something for also, evil. I also feel like Oblivion is saying, like, it, it, in accepting this and doing this, it opened my my world up to like more understanding or maybe more power of knowledge or something. That's what I feel like. Like when yeah. I, when, I, when I make the Event Horizon connection, I feel like. It's like how Sam Neill was like, I created this thing. I didn't know what I was creating, but now that I've discovered what it is, I can't like, destroy holy it. Holy shit! Like this is my life. I belong here. You yeah, know, but the difference is Sam Neill never, never seems... wanted to destroy it, whereas Oblivion wanted to destroy it. Yeah, but but Convex, on the other hand, who is somebody who is also trying to put this out into the world, but for very different reasons, which is to exploit it. But I feel like he's a character that absolutely, in no way, that wants to experience this in any way. He knows, like, this is a place I don't want to go. I don't want to be a part of this shit. I want to see it. I don't want to see these videos. Well, he's seen it. I mean, he even goes to say, like, nobody who we put through this test basically has survived, you know? Like, and you're right. the one person that actually seems to have some control over your hallucinations. Mm-hmm. It hasn't completely taken over you yet. That's why we find you interesting and we want to record your hallucinations to help but understand you think the process. is somebody that has actually, like, looked at these videos, sat there and sat through them and. No. No, because not them. even what's his name, not even Harlan watched the videos. Right, you know he right. pretended he did. There's a, there's but... a goal with these people there, the, the people that are trying to exploit Videodrome, the people that got enveloped in it, and then there's Max, who seems to be like this anomaly that exists mm-hmm. that is able to, at the end, kind of, I guess. But wasn't this all like a himself? whole conspiracy against Max? Like, I mean, Harlan came in two years early as a just as a plant to basically drive. The situation yeah, they to, the station. to Max, right? Yeah, because they wanted Channel 83, right? Wasn't that mm-hmm. the whole yep. thing? Well, the yep. ultimate goal, I guess, is because, I mean, that I, I assume what Cronenberg's whole thing was is that cable has such a wide range to, like, actually, it's in your it's in your house. It's not something that you choose to, you don't go to a video store, pick up a tape, yeah, like, willingly put it into your VCR and watch it. This is something that is actually being uh, wired into your home. Well, I know I did read something that said an influence on this came from him as a kid, you know, being able to pick up signals that he wasn't supposed to be getting on like his television just based on like how his antenna was faced or whatever, you know, and like that kind of idea always intrigued him. Like, what if he stumbled across something that he shouldn't have seen? You know what? Actually, I want that that brings me to something. I was actually talking to um, a friend about. What essentially is called cutting the wire, right? So you, 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 now that everything's streamed and you can have everything on demand, um, you could cut essentially the wire of cable and then only have a Netflix situation or, yeah. a, or a Hulu or whatever. That's how I live my life. Right, right. Okay. So I had told him that I, I still have, I still have my satellite dish and I like it. And I was telling him that it's something that I would have a very hard time doing because. One of the things that really appeals to me about having cable or this is that you have a big bunch of channels, you're scrolling through them, and you don't know what you want to see until it's shown to you, and then once you see it, it drives you into it, and then you discover something that you didn't think you were going to see. Right. Forged and fire. Or that you didn't know you even like. Right, exactly. (laughs) And I feel like this is something that I feel like maybe this film, unbeknownst knowing that streaming would exist or on-demand would exist is something that it's addressing, too, is that cable is different than video. 
you go to a video store, you have a bunch of fucking cassette tapes or whatever, and you can choose what you, looks interesting or doesn't look interesting. But you have some sort of menu that actually does that. So you think when the- you're flipping through channels, you have absolutely no idea what you're going to stumble upon. But once you do... Like, you can get caught up in so that. So you think they're trying to make, like, a serious distinction between, like, a videotape, a beta tape, and and actually broadcasting Well, I think something. that was the, the, the goal, right, is that yeah. Max's Because it started, Videodrum starts on a videotape. Right, right. But they, their goal but is to get it onto... Their goal is to get it onto, onto cable, because yeah. cable's the new thing, where it's like, we can now reach a wider audience, where I think the, the ultimate goal is that they will finally actually accidentally stumble upon this thing. Mm-hmm. And then we can actually cut the chaff from whatever you know knowing that the people that want to stay on this channel will stay there and those are the people that we're going to get rid of as a weapon and then there are the people that we want to keep with the people that are like are like what the fuck is this and change it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i think that was kind of like i mean i guess was the goal of all of this yeah with that being said what do you say we rate this mammer jammer let's rate it chris what do you want to rate it i'm gonna rate it beta tapes Beta tapes it is. You know what? I will take the reins on this one. I am going to give it four and a half beta tapes. Um, this solid film. There's really, there's really nothing that I can really um, knock this film for. The only thing that I could say mostly is like I like with all the bizarre images and weird things going on in the film, I can't remember a fucking single thing from this soundtrack. I can't. I don't think it had one. It's a really good sound. I mean, it's I wouldn't say soundtrack in the sense that it has. No, it's like tunes in it. Yeah, it's great though. But yeah, I I but like you know what I mean. Like it does. It's one of those things where it's like I don't disagree. It might have been so good that that you don't notice it, which I think is the ultimate goal, right? Um, so, but that would be like my, my one thing, but otherwise from that, man, like this is just a solid film. Um, I think also just giving the fact that it it asks, makes you ask questions and, and and does it in an entertaining way and in a cohesive way, which I think is good. Like you still do a surrealist film, but you also have a cohesive story, which is good. Like, that's a good thing. You can ask questions, but you can follow along with it. I love that about this. Especially because this is like surrealistic films and like we found that I don't have the easiest time with those. And this one, I do. You know, so four and a half for me. Go see this. If you haven't seen this movie, watch it. For real. Do yourself the favor. Kyle? I'm going to give this uh, four beta tapes. Uh, you know, it's it's a solid film for sure. I mean, the special effects is great. I think the... Yeah, yeah. the The story that's that's kind of projected for us is, um, it's really viewer engaging, where you get to kind of help create what you think it all means in your mind. Which I love movies like that for sure. Um, you know, I I can't give this thing a five though because there's something weird about this movie, and it's the same thing I've experienced the, every time I've seen it so far. Is that every time I finish it. I step away from it being like that was a really good film, but I'm always felt I always feel like there was something missing in the movie. I don't know what it is, but every time I watch this movie, it's not something that I say die hard sticks with me, but I always feel like there is just something lacking. Maybe it's just the structure or maybe it's just a simple way it simply comes down to like maybe the way they edit it together or something, but there's just something that I felt like it's just 
missing, but it's not enough for me to be like pissed off. It just doesn't get a five. It's a four, which is a solid fucking rating. But I think it's a really entertaining film, and it really pushes your imagination for sure. And everything else good I can think of. So there you go. Mike. Four. I'm gonna give Video Drum a three and a half. Um, I I I think it's a fantastic film. Um, I, I'm 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 kind of giving it three and a half because I gave late they live four, okay. And the only reason why I'm doing that is because I f- I feel like they deal with similar subject matter to some extent. Like we've discussed the the relation between those two films, um, but I can't get past the fact that I feel like. Videodrome is an experiment just like They Live was an experiment of like, okay, this is something I'm seeing in society and I'm making a prediction to some extent as where I think it may or may not go, right? Um, I feel like They Live does a pretty good job at, at, at predicting the future of where, where we're standing right now, which is that like, yeah, corporations eventually will have some sort of control. They do have control over us. They actually do can influence our lives to some extent, right? Um, Videodrome, on the other hand, I feel like his whole kind of thing was that, okay, there are people in this world that desire violence um, if we were to expose all of humanity to this through cable, which now seems kind of uh, quaint to think. You know what I mean? Now that we have the internet... That like cable is like this big massive uh uh communicative device that can like reach into everyone's home. It, it's it's quaint to an extent versus the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I can find anything on the fucking internet because you're just stumbling across anything. Uh I don't think that it actually holds up, really. I feel like it's a product of its time. It's 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 a product of a time when cable and all these things were new things and he was posing a hypothetical of like, okay, if this is where everything's going, where are we going to end up in twenty years? Hmm. And quite honestly, it's it's not much further than maybe, where we're at. <laughs> maybe that's actually th- you brought up that point. Maybe that's the thing that I feel like is maybe just like a loss on me. Maybe it just feels slightly dated. It just does. It's a dated, the, yeah, the, dated the message concept, of it, whereas they live is pretty timeless. Right, right. Like I can look back on it and say like, okay, yeah, I mean they're like, yeah, okay, they don't have the internet at this time, and it's clear, but. Like the message behind they live, taking it and pu- and putting it into a modern day society seems very fresh. Yeah, feeling very real. As where video drum kind of feels like, come on, cable. Hold on though, right? Yeah, I you re- you re- replaced civic TV with goddamn YouTube. You got the same fucking thing. No, but but YouTube and civic TV work very different ways. They work in a very different way. Like cable is something that you like like you choose to pick. You know, and, and you're flipping through it and stuff like that. The internet now is ingrained in our lifestyle. Like, I can't get past my phone exists in it. Everything that I know exists in it. Any any Anything that I'm doing right now exists on the internet. But that's kind of basically what I think he was saying with... No, I have to actually look at a TV screen to do that. I actually have to choose to watch TV to no, do you that. Don't. You just have yeah. someone stick a beta in your gut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe if somebody could, like, lo- I mean, it's more like The Matrix, I think. Somebody sticks something in the back of my head or something. But, like, yeah, it's just, it just, it just a different thing where it's, like, yeah. s- seeing seeing the two mediums 
now that we know what that medium is, now it's it's just kind of I got gotcha. you. It's, yeah. it's, it's just slightly it feels dated. Kind of like all. okay, <laughs> cable. Okay, wow. You know. Yeah. But how can I fucking knock a Cronenberg film? You just did. You just did. Chris? I mean, what by a, <laughs> by, a, by a half, by a half, really? Quite honestly, it's a great film. Suggested to anybody, Chris. Um. Okay. I. I'm gonna kind of disagree with Mike a little bit um, on the fact that I I just think that the mediums are different, but I think the concepts are the same um, between television or cable when it you know was a new thing and it would reach millions of homes or whatever to what internet is now. I mean, for crying out loud, people are doing violent things on Facebook Live. I mean, the, you know, this is a I mean, this is just another outlet for this sort of of thing. So. I, I could see it translating from one to the other, so that doesn't bother me so much that the mediums are, you know, maybe don't hold up uh, for 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 today's, uh, you know, youth or society or whatever culture. Um, so that doesn't really bug me. I can't knock it for that. I I have to praise it, you know, a hundred percent for all the effects that it has in it. It's you know, it's definitely unlike anything you've ever seen. It's a visual, you know, spectacle. It's um, you know, it takes a little bit to get going. I think um, definitely the mix between sex and violence is a thing that like Cronenberg uh, carries throughout his films, and he does it well. He does it in a way to where um, it almost, especially for this film, feels like the, the, the film that you're watching as an audience is kind of the same thing that's happening within the film. So you're watching a film uh, kind of about sex and violence while James Woods is kind of also doing the same thing within this story um, and how it can affect somebody when you see it. Um, I So, you know, I got to give it like a lot of praise for that. I think it's it's pretty good writing. I don't think I get every single thing that's going on in this film. And maybe I never will. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just meant to be up for interpretation, but that's OK with me. Like I can leave it as it is. Um, all the performances were good. I think Debbie Harry is, you know, she's she's actually not in it enough. I I don't think um, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but but it is nice to see her in it, and I think she plays a Cronenberg girl very well. You know, um, and uh, all the supporting characters around it, you know, they're they're fine, they're great. Um, and I don't know, you know, out of the catalog, I, I I can't really say exactly where I feel like this falls, but it's pretty up there for me. Um, I'm gonna have to go with a four. Uh, for Videodrome. Um, it's, I, I highly recommend it. I don't think everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be into this kind of story. Um, but if you can kind of sit through it, um, it's, it's definitely intriguing visually. So, you know, give it a shot. And uh, yeah, it's going to be four beta tapes for me. Did I just rate a surrealist film the highest? Did that just happen? I think you did. You did yeah. four and a half. Yeah, so. did that just happen? That's odd. Yeah. Look at that. Look what happens over two years. I know Cody grows up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's our show for this week. Make sure you follow us on social media. Social, I can't say social media today. Sure. Can't do it for the life of me. You never can on any, no. any episode, by the sure, way. Sure, 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 you sure. Yep. Make sure you follow us on social media at cultfilm underscore review on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you check that out too. Go there, subscribe. We got a bunch of stuff on there. And then you, after you do that, go to iTunes, leave us a review, and give us five stars, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. Again, disappointed, guys. I'm not mad. 
disappointed. Okay? Hopefully I won't be mis- disappointed next week. Maybe you guys will rise to the occasion like I know you will. <laughs> the man with the giggle. <laughs> the old giggle. Uh, old giggle puss. Call me g- giggle puss? No. Giggle, old giggle puss. <laughs> uh, Kyle Smith. You can follow old giggle puss. Kyle Smith. Ah! You can follow me on Instagram at gigglepuss.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's coldfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at coldfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at MikeSaluthJoe on Twitter. You can follow Cody at... You guys can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. That's our show. Remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.